0: So what do you think? A podcast where we discuss weird and unsolved mysteries and events and give you our completely unprofessional opinion on them. I'm Jane with Ms B. Hi and and here's Tyson. And Tyson's here too. Hey Tyson. Tyson the wonky dog. He can jump on the (laughs) bed
1: now because it's lower. Oh exciting. Exciting. He's enjoying
0: it. Yeah cool. Well tonight we've got a really really big case probably the longest biggest one that we've ever covered which is saying a lot because I think we've actually covered quite a few pretty big cases I've been having this one in the back of my mind to do for a long time because it's I mean you'll work out in a minute why but um first of all I just want to preface it and also I wanted to say that this is going to be a multi-parter I don't know how many parts but it's going to be a multi-parter All right so I just want to preface it by saying that in 2014 I didn't really know what a podcast was. Did you? Like they're kind of a newish phenomena really.
1: I never really got into podcasts until I I started making a podcast with you. Yeah yeah. Like a lot of my friends will be like listen to this podcast and listen to this podcast and I was like I don't have time. I started listening to them more when I changed my job and I had an hour of of um driving there and back in Mm. total so I started listening to podcasts audiobooks all that sort of stuff otherwise I never really got into them that much
0: yeah that's it I mean I in 2014 I'd heard the word but I didn't really know what it was all about my first introduction to it was um through a couple of guys who had done a YouTube series which I was addicted to back then Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it's called Marble Hornets if you haven't seen it do yourself a favor go look it up on YouTube Anyway, the guys that made this series had a podcast, which was essentially just essentially just them like sitting around talking crap for an hour or two.
1: Which the I enjoyed.
0: I enjoyed, <laughs> which is basically what we do.
1: <laughs> and you hear the kookaburras? No, I can't. Oh my gosh, you will be if you if we can hear Merlin, you're going to be able to hear them when you play it back because <laughs> they're like basically outside my window. Excellent.
0: Oh well, there we go. we ex- laughing, <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> laughing at us.
0: Yeah, laughing at us about the whole talking crap thing. Yeah. So, yeah, I enjoyed this podcast. They eventually split up as a group and I didn't really pursue any other podcasts after that, but I didn't know what they were by then. So when I heard about this new phenomena of podcasts called Serial that people were just hooked on, I thought, why not give it a go? Now, Serial has had a number of seasons at this point, some better than others, but the season about the murder of a Baltimore schoolgirl named Hamin Lee captured the attention of so many people and really for so many of us was like the start of a true crime podcast addiction. So have you listened to Serial at all? No. Do you know the case of Hey Min Lee? The name rings a bell. You may be more familiar with the name Adnan Saeed. Yes. Yes. Okay. So not only did Serial become a cultural phenomena, so did this case and we'll have a chat about what happened with it after Serial came and went a little bit later on so what I want to go through I I, I kind of thought about ways that I should approach this and wrapping it all up in a neat bow as far as cereal goes just isn't going to work because it was one of those it was 12 episodes and it really was quite narrative and kind of unfolded as it went along so I thought what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go through all 12 episodes one by one and just present, present the info as it was delivered, and then you can take the journey that I did. All right, okay. so get ready. <laughs> now, so episode one, and this is probably the biggest episode because it introduces us to everything. So our presenter is Sarah Koenig, who has an amazing podcast voice, and uh, she introduces us to Heyman Lee, an 18-year-old U12 student at Woodlawn High School. She was popular, smart, athletic, and came from a Korean-American family who had instilled a great sense of responsibility into her. She was also hopelessly romantic, and we know this because we have access to her diaries. On January 13, 1999, she left school at around 2.15pm, which was witnessed by her friends, and she was supposed to pick up her young cousin from kindy and take her home at 3.15. She never showed up to to pick up her cousin. The alarm was sounded immediately because this was just not like hay. Police began a search straight away, but she wasn't found. Just under a month later, on February 9th, a guy on his way to work decided that he needed to pee, so he pulled over to the local forest called Leakin Park and walked into the bush. He noticed some hair sticking out of the ground, and it was soon discovered that it was hay. She had been murdered by strangulation and buried in a shallow grave. Two weeks later, Hayes' ex-boyfriend Adnan Syed was arrested for her murder and sits to this day, 23 years later, in prison. So why is Sarah Koenig telling us all about this story? Well, we find out that Sarah had actually received an email from a family friend of Adnan's, a woman named Rabia Chaudhry. Rabia's brother Saad was Adnan's best friend and she'd been in law school at the time. She was now a lawyer herself and Adnan's case had always bugged her this entire time. Now, not just for, but I knew him and I knew that he just wasn't capable of these things reasons, but also because she felt that Adnan's lawyer uh, completely botched the case. So Sarah meets Rabia and Saad. They are both highly regarded members of Baltimore's Islamic community. And they tell Sarah about Adnan. And it seems like he was much like, hey, honor roll student, football star, track star, Um, He was like an EMT, which is a bit like a paramedic. And he had been a junior prom king. This all in a school that was made up mostly of African-American students. So the Pakistani Muslim kid shone through regardless, even though he wasn't like the rest. So he was very well liked, just like Hay was. So here we learned that Adnan and Hay had dated the previous year since junior prom. Problem is that we have an extremely strict Muslim family here and they are fully conservative. No drinking, no drugs, no smoking, no dating. Thing was that Adnan was drinking, smoking, having sex, just like I'm sure most 17 year old boys were out there. Yeah. They dated for eight months in secret and then Hay broke it off. And this would form the basis for the prosecution's case. He was a young, angry, violent Muslim man, of course, who had put everything on the line for this girl, and she simply discarded him. So he had to do some sort of honour yeah, killing. He
1: put everything on the line. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm sure he didn't enjoy the sex and the drugs and the alcohol and the being a normal teenage boy.
0: Yeah, that's it. And this was literally the prosecution's case. It was an honour killing. He's it's an- kind he's of.
1: A- it's kind of. I wouldn't say racist but it's you're just using someone's culture against them just because his parents and grandparents and aunties and uncles live by that doesn't mean he has to
0: and you know it's a big jump from following your culture to killing someone you know Mm. and it just shows sort of the bigotry the racism that was happening
1: like you you can't rule it out because unfortunately there actually are cases like this A 100 percent Yep. Usually I find, I mean, there's one and I can't exactly tell you what her name is, I can't remember, but it happened in the UK and it was, I think, a brother and an uncle that ended up murdering mm-hmm. their sister slash niece because she was out going out with a, do. yeah, yeah, yeah um, that's and that's against their beliefs and she shamed the family. So, yes, that that does happen, but just the assumption is just so... Yeah, like, it's a racist.
0: Yeah, and, and as we go on, you'll see how very, very little they had to go on. And this was literally all they had to go on. So, I mean, look, okay, the police are allowed to suggest a motive if they want to. But, you know, what does the evidence say? You know, mm. we need to go by that. Mm. There was no DNA, no fibres, no hair, no physical evidence at all. There were some fingerprints in her car from um, Adnan. But, hey, they dated for eight months. Like, that's to be expected, right? Yeah, yeah. So, why the hell is he in jail? Well, racist cops made the charge, but a jury convicted him, right? Well, enter Jay Wilds. Jay and Adnan had been running in similar circles since middle school. They weren't friends, but they were friendly. Jay was a year older, he graduated the year before. Jay sold pot, Adnan smoked pot, etc., etc. Now, a couple of weeks after Hay's body was found, police received an anonymous tip, a crime stopper's tip, telling police to take a look at Adnan. Police got hold of Adnan's phone records and found that he had two incoming calls on the afternoon that Hay went missing. One was from his friend Jen and the other one was from Jay. They bring in both Jen and Jay and say, and Jen says, yes, they had been, she had been speaking to someone from that phone, but it was Jay. It wasn't Adnan. So for some reason, Jay had Adnan's phone. Jen says that Jay had confessed to her that Adnan had told him that he had killed Hay and said that Jay had helped him dispose of the body. So, of course, the police go and interview Jay and are like, excuse me, what? So the other details that come out during this interview with Jay, first of all, the police want to know why Jay's got Adnan's phone that day. That seems a little bit weird. Turns out he didn't just have his phone that day, he had his car as well. So there's a lot of plays in this. So try and keep track of everyone in this. So Jay was dating a girl called Stephanie, who was Adnan's best friend. And so it was apparently her birthday that day. Now, Adnan does the right thing that a best friend does and says, ask Jay whether or not he's got her a birthday present. Jay realises, oh, whoops, no, I don't. So Adnan gives, lets him borrow his car. So he said, look, I'll let you have my car for the day while I'm at school. Go and get Stephanie a present no worries. Now the phone it seems was part of the package. Um, Adnan had just got it the day before and he said look take my phone as well and that way if I need to call you I can call you. Jay says that they go shopping and then Jay drops Adnan at the school and then he goes to Jen's to wait for Adnan to call to come and pick him up. Now Jay says that Adnan had told him that he planned to kill Hay that day and that when he called Jay he was, come, he was to come to wherever he was when he called him and help him dispose of the body. So it goes to like premeditation and everything. This is what's going to happen today. Of course, like, you know, Jay doesn't go, I'm um, sorry, why would I be involved in helping you dispose of a body? Like, you know, he doesn't even say that. He's just like, oh, I just thought that he was mucking around, you know. So Jay gets a phone call that afternoon, apparently. This is what Jay says. He said that Adnan called him and simply said, that bitch is dead, come and get me, I'm at Best Buy. So Jay drives to Best Buy to the parking lot where Adnan is with Hay's car and he opens the boot and there is her body in the boot of her car. Jay follows while Adnan drives her car, but they don't dump her body yet. Instead, they drop her car, body inside it all, at the I-70 park and ride and then in Adnan's car, they just cruise around for a little while. They buy some weed, smoke some weed, call some people. Eventually, Jay drives Adnan back to school so he can attend track practice. Then he picks him up, drives him around a little bit more. They go to Jay's to get some shovels and go get Hay's car. Eventually, they find their way to Leakin Park, where around 7 to 8 p.m. they bury Hay. So that's Jay's story. Any thoughts?
1: Is Jay in jail? (laughs)
0: Yeah, that was the first thing I thought when I was listening. I'm like, well, why is Jay not in jail?
1: Yeah, he's an accomplice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, One, he was told Mm -hmm. this is what I'm going to do. Two, he sees a body allegedly. Yeah. Three, he takes part in the disposal. He should be in jail. Mm
0: -hmm. And also it's just all
1: too convenient.
0: It's a weird story, don't you think, as well? Oh, like, yeah, oh, no, I just happened didn't... to have
1: his car and his phone. Oh, and then told me he was going to do this. And then we, like, drove around with the dead body this... and... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is as bad, like, this is as bad as, like, the people coming forward and saying that I've seen something 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's the same thing. You're just... Yeah. Oh, okay, cool, yeah. Because that's a normal after-school activity. I remember having those conversations with my friends
0: yeah, we did that sort of stuff all the time. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I'm going to kill this person and you're going to help me, like, later on. We'll go smoke some pot first. Mm. Um, I've still got to go to, like, you know, practice. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's it. Well, it is literally, Jay's story is literally the entire case against Edna. So we're not talking a crime of passion here. We're talking premeditated and cold. Lots of driving around. Lots of not panicking. These are 17 and 18 year old guys. Yep, cool as a cucumber. Just killed someone. So, first question I had was like, why did he need Jay? You know, why did he need to add a witness to the mix? You know, they weren't that close. They weren't best buddies. That you basically Jay just sold it and unpop. um, Mm. You know, and and my my predominant thought at this stage was, if this story is true, well then he's a 17 year old psychopath, right? (laughs) yeah <laughs> there's no other explanation and for if it you're not true.
1: best buddies with someone in this situation like you wouldn't be getting them involved yeah it's it just scary, stupid
0: so. yep so at this point in we in the serial episode we start to hear for the first time from Adnan who Sarah talks to from prison he said that he loved Hay but that it was over and he held no resentment about it Sarah asked him about that day and if any of Jay's story is true. He says, yeah, he hung out with Jay after school, but, you know, it was a normal, uneventful day. Nothing, definitely no killing of anyone that day. He said that school finished at 2.15 and he went to the library to check his emails until track practice, which was at like 3, 3 3.30. He couldn't remember which. Um, And then, you know, he went to track and then got picked up after track. He said, yep, Jay had used his car to go to the shops and get Stephanie a present, so picked him up after track at about 4.35 o'clock. Now, it was Ramadan at the time, so he would have eaten right after track before the fasting window shut. He yep. said that he and Jay smoked some pot and then would have gone, he would have had to have been home by about 7 or 8 to attend mosque.
1: <laughs> Imagine having Ramadan, smoking pot and not being able to eat. I, I know. You couldn't I know, do it. not
0: the wisest thing. No. <laughs>
1: serious munchies
0: <laughs> um so we've got two versions of events now the police decide that they like jay's version though so what do they do they go and get hold of the cell phone records and try and match it up to see whether there's anything they're matching mm. in he, if his version was true that, that come get me call had to have been at 2 36 p.m because that's when there is a phone call from an unknown location so that is the prosecution's theory is that The 2.36 call was the come get me call. So between school getting out at 2.15 and 2.36, Adnan had to kill Hay, get to the Best Buy and call Jay. That's 21 minutes. He's got to do that. 21 minutes that the jury decided was enough. They took two hours to deliberate and they found him guilty. So at this stage in the episode, we learn about a potential witness after Adnan got arrested, one of his classmates, a girl named Asia McLean, reached out to Adnan and his family and let them know that Adnan couldn't have been off killing Hay at that time because he she saw him in the library. Remember he said we went to check his emails? Well, you know, she said, yeah, he did because he was there and I was there and I saw him. She remembers talking to him. Her boyfriend and his best friend, her boyfriend's best friend were there too and remember seeing him as well. Now, Asia remembers that it was this day specifically because she went to chat to him, and while he sat on a computer checking his email, she was just, like, chatting to him about general stuff, and her boyfriend got jealous of this. He was one of those beefhead guys that's like, are you talking to my woman? And did the whole, you know, is this guy hitting on you thing, which, (laughs) yeah, caused an argument. Yeah. (laughs) They ended up leaving at about 2.40, and she ended up going to her boyfriend's place where they fought. Now, she specifically remembers because there was a really heavy snowstorm that came that night and she ended up getting snowed in all night with him at his house. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, It actually snowed so much that the school was shut for two days after this. So she reckons they left the library at 2.40. Now, remember, Hay should have been dead by 2.36. So seems like, yeah, okay, well, how can Adnan have done it if this is the case, right?
1: Yeah.
0: Adnan got this letter in the. Early days of his trial and gave it to his lawyer to follow up on it. He never heard anything about it though, so he figured that nothing ever came of it. Turns out his lawyer, Christina Gutierrez, just never did anything
1: with the information and Asia was never questioned. Okay, look. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, like he's a young kid. Yeah. But if this is evidence, I would be like, Oi, lawyer, have you followed up on that thing Mm -hmm. that I gave you? It's important.
0: at least his family should have done that right yeah yep yeah so you know this lawyer christina was terrible and she ends up actually stuffing up so many cases around this time that she gets disbarred um they end up having a mistrial for his first trial just because some evidence was brought up in court and she had never even heard of it even though she'd signed a paper saying that she'd received it and looked at it so you know He decides to ditch this shit attorney, got a new one. It was the new attorney who had found the letter. He tries to find Asia, but she's moved away at this point. Eventually, he does find her, and he finds out that she doesn't want to talk. Now, it turns out that one of the prosecutors of the case, Kevin Urich, had pressured her into recanting her testimony. Apparently, she said that she got pressure from the family to make the original statement But then they signed, but then she signed an affidavit saying that it wasn't true. Now, Sarah Caney is like, all right, I'm latching onto this info and I'm going to go and try and find out what the actual truth is here. Mm -hmm. So she not only goes to find Asia, but she tries to, she goes to find her boyfriend at the time, Derek, and his friend, Jared. And she succeeds. Jared doesn't seem to know like what year it is now, let alone who Asia is. So, like, strike strike one. (laughs) Derek says that he can't remember that far back. Remember, it's 15 years ago at this stage, but does say that Asia isn't the type of person to lie. So he believes her. So strike two, really. But then she locates and speaks to Asia. Now she remembers seeing and talking to Adnan that day, and her story remains the same, which is a bit strange. And guess what? She never recanted her testimony to Yurik either. He was lying. So when Adnan's second lawyer contacted Urich and said, you know, we need to have a look at this witness statement, Urich was like, oh, no, no, she recanted, don't worry about that, no, she recanted, no, we can't use that one. There was never an affidavit, there was never a recanting. Now Asia just figured that because he was found guilty that there must have been some other evidence, so when she wasn't called to trial, she just never really thought anything more of it, and she went on with her life. When Sarah tells her the gravity of the testimony, she's stunned. Like, she's just like, oh, my gosh, I could have actually maybe got this guy out of jail. So that was just the first episode. So thoughts so far in episode one.
1: This is just ridiculous.
0: Hmm. Bit of a shit show.
1: Yeah. It's just a mess.
0: Mm. Yep.
1: Too many cooks in the kitchen.
0: Yeah. Too many players, too many people not doing what they're meant to be doing. I think we've got a little bit of a sniff of some potential dodginess going on by the prosecution at this
1: stage. Oh, there always is.
0: I mean, I really want to know what Eurik's playing at, right? But (laughs) honestly. Who's Uric again? The prosecutor.
1: Okay. Yeah, what is he playing?
0: The one that said that Asia had recanted when she hadn't, so.
1: Like, that's serious stuff. That's lying. Yep. Yeah, and he should be in big trouble for that.
0: Yeah, you would think. I mean, that's
1: basically tampering with evidence.
0: Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot. This is a lot that's going on right now. Um, Mm. Yeah, Eurik definitely is a player here. but But Jay, like, what the hell? What the hell? What a crazy story. Like, what the hell is he doing? Like, I mean, you believe it or you don't, right? But if you do, then it's a lie
1: because of Asia's testimony. Makes me think that Jay did it
0: well this is yeah this is, i think this is where my mind started going at this point as well so yeah why yeah.
1: i can't tell you but
0: yeah yeah well jay's story just keeps on going and takes some crazy twists and turns i mean brace yourself for what's coming so let's have a look at serial episode two which examines their relationship and their breakup so like i've mentioned before we have Hay's diary. So essentially we have a chronicle of the relationship from her point of view. It all started in April 1998 when Adnan asked her to junior prom. Now, Adnan was prom, king, prom prince, sorry, and his best friend Stephanie was princess. And when it came time for the first dance of prom, the prince and the princess, instead of dancing with Stephanie, the princess, he goes over and asks Hay to dance. Oh, how cute. And they were dancing to Casey and Jojo's All My Life. <laughs> i love that song yeah i have to interject here and say that i'm the same age as these guys and i just feel this high school experience in every cell of my body i love that song <laughs> yes yeah. yeah. so it would have been you. so as of that night they were dating it was on And by dating, I mean sneaking around because you know strict Pakistani Muslim parents and strict Korean parents. You know that's a nuclear bomb ready to Mm, go off. I'm sure. mm, mm. But they bonded. uh, They bonded over that. You know they could see where each other was coming from. (laughs) Yeah, your parents just as fucked as mine. Yes, yes they are. Um, The diary never describes him as overbearing or possessive. It's pretty much pretty stock standard high school love stuff. So the love, um, you know, so they were in love and sounds like they basically shagged their way through summer, basically motels, car parks, other people's houses, whenever there was a spare moment. (laughs) To be Um, young again. I know. Those were the
1: days. (laughs) Cars now? No. Gosh, can you imagine? just awkward. I was like, like, how do you do that? You I'd be definitely get some sort. Circus, like, contortionist or something.
0: <laughs> I'd be like, Charlie Horse, Charlie Horse. <laughs> <laughs> yep, so Sarah speaks to Nan's mum, Shamim, and she says, yes, we knew about it. <laughs> you know, despite all the sneaking around, um, you know, she did actually know that he was dating someone. Um, mm. They tried to prevent things, but... Look, they knew that everyone was doing it, so they weren't really threatening to disown him or anything like that, put it that way. She did make a scene once, though, by showing up to homecoming and going off at him in front of everyone because he wasn't meant to go to it and he snuck out and he went to it and he was there with Hay. And, you know, they even dragged him home, like physically dragged him. His best friend, Saad, says that he was embarrassed, but they kind of laughed about it afterwards.
1: Well, I guess, like, like what else are you meant to do? That's going to yeah. happen from time to time when you have that those sorts of parents. Yeah, exactly. Like you just got to laugh at it.
0: Yeah, what else can you do? Otherwise you'll cry. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Hey hay was pissed though and she actually ended the relationship after that. Her parents might have been strict, but at least she wasn't getting publicly humiliated by them. Yeah. So that was the start of November, but one month later they're back together again. Hay is over the moon again. Only a week or so later, though, Hay starts to get a crush on a guy that she works with at a place called LensCrafters. I think it's a little bit like a Specsavers or something. He's older. He's 22 years old, and his name is Don. She likes him a lot, and she likes him in, like, that overwhelming I've got a crush way. Those were the days again. (laughs) He's got blonde hair and blue eyes, and he drives a Camaro.
1: Like, she just... Did we just go back in time? Is it like the 70s? <laughs> yeah,
0: I know. I guess it was a cool car in the 90s. I'm
1: dazed and confused all of a sudden. <laughs> she, Drives a Camaro.
0: Oh my I God. know. How much older did you say he was? He's 22 and she's 18. So oh, not I, that
1: much. I thought you said he was 22 years older. And I was like, whoa. And that also probably explains that Camaro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, She agonises over the crush, though, because she's still with Adnan and inevitably sometime before Christmas they break up. Hay starts officially going out with Don. Look, there's different information. Some people say that it was New Year's Day. but There's other information that says it could have been a week or two before that. Unsure. Um, And she's still with him at the time of her death. Mm -hmm. Now, Jay would say that this was all the motive for Adnan killing Hay. He was enraged with jealousy and a broken heart. In reality, his best friend Saad said that he moved on pretty quickly and was dating someone else too. He was actually talking to quite a few girls at that time. He was a bit of a player. Um, You know, it sounds like the standard depth of of emotions from a 17-year-old guy. Yeah. This is confirmed by many people who knew Adnan at the time. He was cool, calm and collected and ready to mingle. So at this point, we learned that Adnan called Hay three times the night before she died at 1127 And 12.01am, only for a couple of seconds, I think, that because she didn't have a mobile phone, so he was calling her at home. Um, And then again at 12.35 for a minute and a half, he said that he'd just got his new phone and wanted to give her his number. Um, And this is backed up by Hay because she'd actually written his new number in her diary. Now, the first two calls might have been part of like a calling system that they had, like, I'll give two rings and do it twice and then you'll know it's me on the third try, you know, just something like that. Or possibly she wasn't home yet and she was out on a date with Don. Don't know. But either way, he quickly called her and gave her his new phone number.
1: So by the sounds of it, they were on perfectly fine terms. Yeah, exactly. They were friendly. Giving her his new number.
0: Yeah, that's it. That shows that, doesn't it, really? Yeah. So then we get a few witness accounts from the day that Hay goes missing. So Hay's friend Aisha saw Hay talking to Ednan at the end of last period. Their friend Debbie sees Hay along the way to her car after this. She speaks to Hay briefly who tells her that she was going to go get her cousin from kindy and then she was going to meet Don at the shops. After this, Hay went to the snack stall at the front of the gym and got some hot chips. Now, the girl working the stand confirms this and she said that she drove up to the stand, hopped out with her car still running to grab the food and then took off again. This girl's name was Inez. Now, she told Inez that she was going to be back to catch the bus later, um, one that took them to the boys' wrestling team games. Hay was the team manager for the boys' wrestling team. Inez saw no one in her car. She was there on her own and never saw Adnan in the area. Now, a few people claim to have heard Adnan ask Hay for a car lift that morning, but Hay ends up saying yes in the morning and then by the afternoon she goes, actually, no, I can't because I've got some stuff to do. I've got to go pick up my cousins. So... Um, and that is backed up by people who actually heard her say no to him as well. So thoughts on episode two?
1: Just seems like there's more evidence that these two aren't on bad terms.
0: Yeah, sounds like pretty standard high school relationships, you know. Yeah. Um, They go, yeah, yeah. I don't think it sounds like they're in bad terms or anything like that. No. Nobody says that Adnan was enraged or angry or, you know, anything like that. Mm. So we get a bit of a timeline here in this episode. We know that school finishes at 2.15. We know that she got snacks. We know that she then drove out of the school, got to wherever she was going and was killed all in 21 minutes. So that seems very quick for all of that to have happened to me. No one saw anyone else in her car, which I think is important. Also, I start to have questions about the fact that she had a, actually had a boyfriend at this stage, this Don guy, right? Hmm. So I, like, I think at this stage in the back of my head, I'm like, okay, that's interesting. Let's just keep that in there. So let's move on to episode three. Here we learn that Don's alibi was checked out, obviously. You know, he was working at LensCrafters that day. This was confirmed by his manager and some time sheets. So it seems as though after that, the police just sort of didn't look at him anymore. They also speak to Adnan's track coach, but all days blend into one for him. So he thinks that he was there, but can't be 100% sure. We now look at a new suspect, and that is the man who discovered Hay's body, somebody that they only refer to as Mr S in the podcast. Now, Hay was found in Leakin Park about five kilometres from the high school. This was one of those wooded areas that was like a common body dumping ground, and I know that sounds really rough, but lots of bodies show up there apparently. It's just like the go-to. It's like our pine forest. You know how we've got the pine forest up north of Perth?
1: Stop it. Stop it. (laughs)
0: I always say they're going to put houses in there one day, and it's going to be—it's going to be big.
1: Yeah, um, where I am now, I drive past a huge one. Yeah, huge. Yeah. And I um, said to the other half when we came up here a few weeks back, "Wonder how many bodies are in there?"
0: <laughs> yeah, pine forest is the go-to. Yeah, one. and
1: That's then also the up further when I was going up to up uh, north, hmm. going up. Past uh, Ellenbrook, and there's still some patches of pine forest. Rainforest? And yeah. again, the same conversation was had, um, and it was pretty sure that's where the Bernies buried one of theirs.
0: Yeah, I think they did somewhere around there, anyway.
1: Yeah, in the pine yeah. forest, and I'm yeah. just yeah, there's got to be so many. Yeah, time the time will come where they will actually. Yeah, yeah what well, is it? Um, the. Like, I can't remember if it's the Bernies or if it is. No, it's one of the um, Claremont bodies was found in um, Wellard. Yes. And Wellard is now a housing estate. Yeah, you can't go to the same place anymore. Yeah. Like. Yep. Gross.
0: Yeah, I know, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Leakin Park is one of these places where they just used to find bodies all the time. Yeah. Um, Now, Mr S says that he was driving to work when he just all of a sudden needed to pee. He pulls over by the bush and walks into the woods. He walks through about 40 metres. So, you know, most guys I know just kind of whip it out on the side of the road. Apparently he's shy in this way and needed to walk 40 metres into the forest. He walked in quite a while, which seems suspicious to me, as does the fact that her body was buried. And it was buried behind a fallen tree. So you definitely could not see it from the road. And you pretty much couldn't see it unless you were on top of her, actually. His story varies from I stopped at the fallen tree to pee, and I walked further and saw her on the way out. Um, You know, he has these different sort of ideas of how exactly who saw her. There were also many different hiding spots he passed along the way that would have been prime peeing locations. Uh, His story is one that never really gets explained. It seems to me that he kind of knew where to find the body. That's what it feels like when I hear about this guy. I've actually always had the sense that. If you can work out this element of the story, like who was this guy and how did he find out where she was, you might actually learn a lot about who did it. Now, near the body was a liquor bottle and a length of rope, both which were never tested for DNA. So we don't know much about Mr S except that he is a what they call a serial flasher. He likes to get nude and expose himself. So we don't have somebody being shy, trying to hide 40 metres into the bush after all. Um, he's been arrested on a number of occasions occasions for indecent exposure. He even had a streaking event not long um, before Hayes' death on his way to work on his lunch break where he just decides to strip off and run out in traffic and flash a woman in her car. A <laughs> bit random, but anyway. Um, turns out she's a cop though, so she gives chase but doesn't catch him, but she ends up finding his clothes and taking them and takes his wallet as well so works out who he is. So, So the guy's a bit of a weirdo. Mm. He fails a polygraph, but he is extremely wound up when he takes it that day. So they do give him another one about a week later and he passes it. So, thoughts about him?
1: Weird that he went that far in. Mm. Big jump, a uh, flasher to murder.
0: Yeah, it's not really the same thing, is it? No. And it's not really a common trajectory for murder either.
1: Like, you don't. No, no. If They're just, just weirdos. Trying. Yeah. Just weirdo.
0: It's just a stock standard weirdo. Yeah,
1: yeah, like, yeah, great. Oh yeah, show me your penis. Oh yeah, I yeah. haven't Something seen one of them before. Wow. The yeah. Oh, it's really big. Show it off.
0: <laughs> I always kind of hoped somebody would flash me, so I could just be like, oh, that's disappointing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I have. Of course you have. You're <laughs> in your crazy stories. And. <laughs> I didn't, I was a lot younger though.
0: Yeah, when you're young, it can and, be quite traumatic.
1: Yeah, and it was by like a drunk old man. It wasn't like a flashing flashing, but it was like a sort of like he yeah. was drunk and he was like, what the fuck are you looking at? And I'm like, you're pissing on the side of the street and now you're showing me your penis. Like That's what I'm looking at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was young. And it was daylight. It wasn't even dark. And it was on a main strip. Yeah, gross. So it was really just a series of weird events at a weird time, and I was very young and yeah. didn't really know. Not very, like, I was in my teens. Yep. Maybe 17 or 18. Yep. But, like, if that were to happen now, it'd be a different story. Oh, I'll put it away, you old bastard. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hang on, let, let me go get the magnifying glass.
1: Yeah. Years and years of working in hospitality and dealing with gross old seedy men's toughened me up a bit more. Yeah exactly. Like the old you know oh no sugar for me love I'm sweet enough. Yeah right because that's I haven't heard that one before Barry. Never. Bugger (laughs) off. Here's your coffee go away. Yes
0: well Sarah Koenig mentioned something that I was actually thinking when I first listened and that was that Um, he maybe he had heard someone talking about the body or the murder and just felt that he needed to go and you know quote unquote find it but you know I really don't buy the peeing in private thing he was a flasher so you know I don't think that was a factor so I think with him not a whole lot comes from him in the entire situation but he's always sort of in the back of my mind so then we've got episode four. Here we look at Adnan's cell phone records. Now this is something that was actually used to really cement the case against him. So the prosecution's case was Jay's story paired with the cell phone records, and that is what put him away. Um, there are thirty-four calls that day. There are six calls to Jen, and we've said that she said Jay told her that Adnan killed Hay in one of these calls. We also know that Jen was questioned and said that she'd been told about how Jay had helped dispose of the body um, using shovels from his house. She says that she sees Jay cleaning these shovels later and throwing them into a dumpster. So we've got her as well. We don't just have Jay's crazy story. We've got Jen's crazy story as well. Something else happens at this time when Jay is being questioned. At first he denies knowing everything, but then he just comes out with this wild story. Part of that story is that he knows where Hay's car is now as it hadn't been recovered yet. They hadn't actually found it yet. And yeah, he takes the police right to the car. Now, we can also start to hear Adnan speculate about why Jay had placed him at the centre of all of this in this episode. He says that they were only acquaintances, and in fact, they only hung out sometimes because of the weed and because of the smoking and, you know, and also because of Stephanie as well, because they had her in common. Adnan speculates that the only thing that he can think is that it could have been like a jealousy thing, you know. Stephanie came from a very high-achieving proper family. And so they liked Adnan because he was from a high-achieving proper family too. But they did not approve of Jay because he was basically the town drug dealer and he was in and out of you know trouble with the cops all the time. Now Mm -hmm. the cops actually asked Jay why would Adnan ask you to help with this? And his answer is classic. He said, because I'm the criminal element of the neighborhood. (laughs)
1: Oh, get over yourself. Feel a little bit of pot, you fucking loser.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now I might add that Jay has never been arrested for anything at this time. Like he's been caught up by the cops, but he's never actually been arrested for anything, I think.
1: That reminds me of this guy that I knew once upon a time, like dodgy ass, um, actually ended up doing time. And he met... He was somewhere, and my ex and another guy rocked up there. This was years and years ago, and he was actually younger than everyone. And he thought he was like so bloody cool. And he turns to these my ex and this other guy and starts going on about, you know, yeah, I'm dealing this and I'm dealing that. And do you guys want to be my apprentices? No, no, you're no. not impressing apprentices. Me. You're yeah. not. You're a loser. You're a loser then and you're an even bigger loser now. Yeah, exactly. apprentices. Yeah. Just thought he was bloody king dick. Just, oh, that's just so lame. I'm embarrassed for him. I know, I know. I'm the criminal.
0: Oh. I'm the criminal element. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, the, the cops push him, though, on why he went along with it when Adnan said, come and help me bury a body, you know, and he just, all he could say was Adnan knew stuff about me. What, that you're a pot dealer? <laughs> like, dudes yeah. just murdered someone. I don't think they care. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Jay's story changes quite a bit over this these police interviews. Um, for example, and I think he gives a few different interviews and his story changes like seven or eight times. So a couple of examples of how it changes. So first of all, where they went to the shops to go shopping, well, there were two different shopping centres that he listed. When police call Adnan to see if he had seen Hay that afternoon, first they were eating at a restaurant and then they were charged. He changed this so that they were at a friend's house. First he refused to help dig the hole, then he helped dig the hole. Adnan had told Jay that day he was going to kill Hay. Then that changed to he talked about it nonstop for five days before it actually happened. There's just so many things that change in his story and it's really, really hard to sort of keep
1: up with it all. Mm. that's they're not like, good either like they, they can't, can't be using evidence from someone whose story it's changes reliable.
0: I know yeah. well there's also like this weird like in the middle of everything you know she's dead they've put her car somewhere they're going to come back later and bury her they're driving around they're getting pot they're getting food and then they take this weird trip to a national park to go smoke weed um and that completely disappears down the track I guess when they work out that it just wasn't possible to do all of those things in that afternoon then we have where Jay saw Hay's dead body for the first time. Originally, Jay said that Adnan called him at 3.45 and said, come get me, even though this, the prosecution's case was that it was at 2.36. He said that he picked him up from a neighbourhood drug market and at, the point, at that point, Adnan popped the boot and showed him Hay's body. To me, it's like, why did you say come and get me if clearly he was driving Hay's car if he'd gone to drug market? That's just a side note. This, of course, later turns into Adnan asking to be picked up from the Best Buy and popping the trunk there. I also have
1: to say as well, just, I mean, look, I don't know, Jay, but the vibe I get from Jay is he's a wannabe loser criminal and the reality is he probably would have freaked the fuck out seeing a real-life dead body. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't buy this, I'm the criminal, I'm the tough guy. No, you're a fucking pussy. Yeah. and you wouldn't have hacked it. Yeah, possibly. I don't. I don't. I just don't buy it.
0: And how would Adnan know that he was? Wouldn't just freak out and be like, "Oh my god, I'm yeah. going to the cops," you know? Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't know.
0: One last thing mentioned in this episode is that is the mysterious crime stuffers call who started this entire thing. This anonymous tip was received on the twelfth of February, nineteen ninety nine, and was apparently made by. It only says an Asian male aged 18 to 21 years. How they get that from a phone call, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, this this uh, tip says look at the ex-boyfriend um, that they've broken up a week prior and that he knows that they would meet up in Leakin Park for sexual encounters because nothing gets you turned on as much as the body dumping zone of a local town, you know. <laughs>
1: Yeah, gross.
0: (laughs) Definitely, where you want to go get it on.
1: Yeah, Um,
0: this guy then hangs up, but then calls back a few minutes later because he forgot something, and says, (laughs) (laughs) and he says, "Oh yeah, by the way, Adnan's friend Vasa Ali told me that he said that if he was ever if he ever hurt his girlfriend, he would drive her car into a lake." So that's just random because that never happened. Also, Adnan didn't have a friend called Vasa Ali. He did have a friend called Yasa Ali, though. So, yeah, I don't know. It's very, very weird, this whole phone call. Detectives meet with Yasa and he claims Adnan never said anything like that to him and he doesn't know what the hell they're talking about. Yeah. It's never been discovered who made this call, but it is what got the police interested in Adnan. So, thoughts on this episode. Again, there's
1: just so many. There's too many people.
0: There's too many people. And Jay's story, like, it's just changing so much. Like, what are you trying to say, mate? Like, if, if it's true, it'll just be bang, bang, bang. That's what happened. Not changing every five seconds, right?
1: Yeah. I still feel like it's Jay. Yeah, it has that vibe so far, doesn't it? Yeah. Like maybe my my thought process now is going. He so his girlfriend was friends with her uh
0: no his girlfriend was best friends with Adnan oh okay but friends with Hay as well like they were all friends yeah
1: yeah I feel like maybe he wanted some one was interested in Hay and Hay turned him down
0: maybe yeah that could be a yeah for sure
1: yeah
0: so episode five here we start looking at the timeline and whether this 21 minute window is even doable Sarah sets out to try it and even, you know, just to get from school to the Best Buy in that time, whether that's possible. Now school gets out at 2.15 and she takes two minutes to walk from where Hay's last class was to her car. This is the quickest she could have done it if she really legged it. She sits there for a few minutes waiting for all of the school buses to clear. So it's not a quick exit at the school. You've got to wait for all the buses to go off the loop and everything.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: She drives up to where the snack store would have been, runs out, runs back in again, pretending to get chips. From here, she navigates out the school and into the traffic um, and she heads to the Best Buy. She parks where Jay says the car was parked and takes about one minute to account for strangulation immediately, I suppose. She then goes to the spot where Jay says the phone booth was where Ednan called him from, and it takes 22 minutes. So she doesn't want to say it's impossible, but it's clear that all the planets would really have to align for it to be possible.
1: What are your Mm. thoughts
0: on that timeline? It just doesn't sound correct to me.
1: Yeah, they're like clutching at straws to try and make it work. I mean, why is she going to Best Buy for starters? Like, yeah.
0: I don't know why she would and then what someone's just waiting for her in exactly the right spot and just jumps into her car and strangles her immediately you know it just yeah yeah no and also like we do know um that strangulation takes more than a minute it takes a good four to five minutes to actually kill someone by strangulation so yeah it doesn't
1: work really at all and in a car park where there's a the potential to be caught Exactly, you're in a shopping centre. There's going to be people everywhere. Right? Like my understanding of Best Buy is it's like quite a busy place. A lot of people shop there.
0: Also, around that time when school's getting out, just before school gets out and just after, you've got yeah. all of the mums doing the last-minute shopping for dinner that yeah. night. Like yeah. If you go to any shop at around that time, they are yeah. everywhere. And also, like how did this person, as I said, know that she'd be at Best Buy? Like how did that person get there? If it was a nun, how did he get there? if she basically had to go straight from class to Best Buy to get killed at that time, how did Adnan get there, you know? Yeah. He wasn't driving. Jay had his car. Yeah. So, you know, unless he jumped into her car as she was leaving the school and just nobody saw maybe, I I don't know if that, you know, that could be a possibility. Um, Another interesting tidbit that comes out is that there was never actually a payphone at that shopping centre. So that puts a different slant on the whole he called from a payphone at Best Buy because there wasn't one. Yeah. So Sarah also tries to drive Jay's timeline and it's just like a total shit show. (laughs) Nothing matches at all. It just does not work. Yeah. We'll go through the cell tower pings and phone records a bit later but because, you know, it's just really hard to make it all work. One Mm. interesting thing that Jay always maintains is that he picked up Adnan from track at 6 Uh, There is a call made from his phone at 5.38 to Adnan's friend Krista. Now, Jay didn't know Krista, so he likely didn't have the phone at that time. That kind of suggests that Adnan had it because Jay doesn't know Krista. How would he know to call her? Yeah. There is a potential issue for Adnan's case here, and that is that there are two incoming calls at 7.09 and 7.16 that ping a tower near Leakin Park. However, it's important to note that cell pings show a general area, not a specific spot. Um, and we know this now. Back then, phones were new. They didn't know about cell tower records and pings and stuff not being very, very accurate. So I think yeah. if yeah. This, this case had been tried now, it wouldn't have gone anywhere. Yeah. So at trial, though, it doesn't look good for Adnan. He said that he had his phone after track and there was, there was his phone near Leakin Park. So if he said he had his phone, why was he in that area? He does mention that at some point he did go to mosque, though, which would have been around that time. So did Jay have his phone still as he still had his car? Like there's those questions to answer as well. I think that the timeline reenactments are interesting and really do suggest that the narratives that are getting delivered just aren't correct and can't be correct, really. Also, we have the fact that, like, Adnan must have really just been really good at maintaining his calm persona for the entire day and then, like, all of a sudden just jumps in Hay's car, makes her drive to Best Buy, quickly strangles her, puts her body in the car boot, um, you know, something Sarah never really accounted for. Like, she accounted one minute for being strangled but didn't really account for putting a body in a boot, you know.
1: Um, Hay was really athletic. She was tall. Right, yeah. so he's putting the body in the boot at... Best Buy, car park? Yeah. No, none of this makes any
0: sense. Exactly. Well, this is what Jay said, that he got to Best Buy and he popped the boot and there she was in the boot. So, you know, I just don't buy that at all. And then he calls Jay from a non-existent phone. Like, it just seems like such a stretch. And it's very, very clear that Jay's story is bonkers and it is incorrect. Yeah. 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 Um, You know, yeah, we killed a girl. Dumped her in the car, drove around, ran some errands, smoked some weed, got to track, went back, got the car, dumped the body, dumped the car, got Adnan back to the mosque in time. (laughs) Like it just makes no no sense at all. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, thoughts on all of those timelines and
1: everything? Yeah, again, stupid, doesn't make sense, too much going on.
0: Yeah, exactly. I agree. So Episode 6 looks at the case against Adnan. What exactly sealed the deal? Well, number one, there was a palm print from Adnan um, found on a map book in the back of on the back seat of Hayes' car. Ripped from the book was a page from the local area, including Leakin Park. This didn't have his fingerprints on it, though. I mean, he was in her car a lot. They dated for months and months, right? So I just don't think that's very compelling. There no. were also 13 other unidentified fingerprints on the inside of that book as well. So. Are we just to ignore all of those? No, yeah, definitely Adnan because his hand was there. Well, I'm sure that this is before Google Maps. This is before Siri, right? Like we actually used to physically use map books. I'm sure that at some stage Adnan had like navigated for Hay, you know. Hmm. Number two, there were witnesses who saw Adnan ask Hay for a ride in her car that day. He doesn't deny that. He says, yeah, I did ask her for a ride that day, but she said no, she was busy. Number three, the three phone calls to Hay's home the night before she died. Um, But here we have, we've covered that, you know, he was giving her Mm. his phone number. Mm. Number four, Adnan never tried to call her home or pager. She had a pager. She didn't have a mobile phone. Remember when pagers were a thing? We never really did it here in Australia, but I remember watching American shows that they would have pagers back then. Hay Hay had a pager. She didn't have a phone yet. Um, So they were like, well, once he found out she was missing, he never tried to call her or anything. Um, You know, he never tried to page her, so that went against him. Number five, in November, after they broke up, Hay writes Adnan an angry letter about the fact that he was making an issue about her breaking up with him. Adnan showed Hay's best friend Aisha the note in class, and they wrote back and forth on the bottom of it. You know what it was like in class when you're in high school, like you'd do notes back and forth with someone. Um, It was mostly just joking, mucking around sort of notes. At the top of the note, though, written in a different pen than they were writing in, um, is the words, I'm going to kill. Now, Aisha said that that wasn't there on the note when she last saw it, so she doesn't even know where it came from. It could have just been written on something else entirely, about something else entirely. We never really know. Number six, and this one is really bizarre to me, a guy named Dave called the cops and said his daughter had just been talking to her neighbour someone that's referred to in the podcast as neighbor boy. Um, And he said that he had seen the body of an Asian girl in the boot of a car. She said that the neighbor boy's friend was Adnan who showed him this body. Now, Sarah is like, this is huge if it's true. So she tracks down neighbor boy and he unequivocally denies that it ever happens and doesn't even know why anyone would have said that. So he's never called to trial either, which shows me that there was probably nothing in it. Hmm. number seven another witness Kathy says that she saw Jay and Adnan together at her apartment at around 6 p.m that night this is something that Adnan does not deny he just doesn't can't remember whether or not he was there she says he basically just sits on a cushion on the floor and gets high the entire time so high that he nearly passes out why is this bad for Adnan well at some point apparently he starts freaking out that he needs to lose his high because he's got something to do yeah he's got to go to mosque (laughs) yeah you don't want to be high for that i'm pretty sure that his family is not going to be down with him being high at mosque (laughs) (laughs) so he takes a phone call and says well what am i going to do what am i going to say they're going to come talk to me well for starters this is about when the police call to ask if you've seen hay um but also may have been you know someone else calling and saying oh they've just called and told me that hay's not missing and him going oh my god i'm high the police are going to try and call me and ask me if i know anything and what am i going to do um you know also we know he was probably trying to sober up from us number eight now remember those 709 and 716 phone calls where they were supposed to ping at leakin park well jen says that she was one of those calls she was looking for jay but got a nan who basically said jay's busy he'll call you back (laughs) busy burying hay apparently. Jen says that she eventually catches up with them after 8pm where she met them in Westview Mall parking lot. Adnan dropped Jay off. This is where Jen said Jay told her about the body dump. Finally we have the controversial Nisha call. Now Nisha is a girl Adnan is talking to and Jay doesn't know her. A phone call from the phone is made at three thirty-two um, to Nisha. So they all say this means that Adnan must have had his phone at that time because there's no reason, again, like Krista, there's no reason for Jay to call Nisha. If they were driving around looking for weed at this time, you know, and Nisha confirms that she spoke to Adnan at some time, but she can never really remember whether it was that day. Like she's like, look, it happened a few times. Like I I don't know exactly what day that was. So really nothing comes of that as well. Still, Adnan says that he was at school at that time. So who's calling Nisha? Adnan says that she was his top speed dial. So it could have just been like a butt dial or something if Jay had the phone and accidentally pressed the speed dial. So that is the entirety of the
1: prosecution's case. Any thoughts? It's Another one of these, like, it's not really... It's a lot of circumstantial stuff. stuff. Yes, yeah, yeah, it's hearsay. It's circumstantial. It's, there's no real concrete evidence.
0: Mm. yeah there's nothing there's no smoking gun or anything no a lot of weirdness but nothing concrete yeah yeah i don't buy the neighbor boy thing at all um just speculation i think Um, yeah and the the guy himself said i don't know what you're talking about Mm. the only thing that really gives me any sort of pause is the whole nisha call thing um we just can't know what that was and what that was about i'm not sure yeah so let's move to episode seven, which looks at the case that Adnan is innocent. I mean, there's nothing really to rebut at all being speculation and all. Sarah actually recruits lawyer and professor Deidre Enright, who runs an innocent project out of University of Virginia School of Law. Um, so do you know about innocence projects?
1: No, uh, like when people have been charged and then innocent.
0: Yeah, so they need to really believe that they're innocent and also there's usually got to be DNA involved and they will actually go Mm -hmm. and get the DNA tested. Yeah. So she puts her students onto it and once they've looked into everything, the consensus is that he didn't do it. Um, So like I said, they need to make sure that it really looks like he's innocent before they'll take it on. Mm. Um, They don't like that the DNA evidence from the liquor bottle at the dump site and the fibre evidence appears to have not only never been tested but has disappeared. However, Um, they find nothing that really screams he didn't do it. So that makes it difficult as well. You know, this is a really short episode with mostly speculation. So we'll move on to episode eight. And we're now talking about Jay because, come on, what the hell is his deal? Yeah. Sarah talks to six jurors, jurors that deliberated for only two hours before reaching a guilty verdict, and they all said it came down to the fact that they believed Jay. She also talks to Jim Trainham, who is a well-known homicide detective who is an expert on false confessions. He feels that there are just too many inconsistencies, but likely Jay's testimony just wrapped up the police's version of events with a nice little bow. He does does notice that in both of Jay's taped statements, though, that there seems to be a period of time before the tape is turned on. For example, he signs the the paper interview form at 3.15pm and at 6.20, the tape goes on. So what happened in those three hours? Like what was going on? Who was talking about what? Jim is quick to point out that it's weird that they don't seem to be picking up on all the inconsistencies at all either. And instead, they seem to be shifting the narrative so it all kind of fits. So they're instead of trying to drill down on Jay and say, no, your story doesn't make any sense. Why is that? They've gone, okay, your story doesn't make any sense. Well, let's try and make what actually happened fit the story. Mm. So it's all very dodgy, right? Now, some things just don't even exist at all by the time the trial comes around, like the national park trip just disappears when it doesn't fit the narrative. He also says that it's strange that the cops never searched Jay's house and never gave him a polygraph either. He seemed to be almost part of the team by the end of it. In other words, there is a likely some level of contamination of the story. Jay may have been telling a version closer to the truth at the start, but as the story morphed into its own beast in the end, you know, it was a beast that was well-trained to fit the state's case. Hmm. Sarah then does something questionable and a little bit crazy. She drives to Jay's house and just knocks on his door, lobbing up there unannounced. I guess she wants the element of surprise. He actually does talk to her. He says that his story is still that Adnan did it and nothing has changed. He stops short of an actual interview, though. Sarah goes on to talk to a number of people who knew Jay back then, and there are mixed reviews on him. Everything from he was a scary, mean alpha type to a goofy stoner. She does find out one good friend of Jay's called Chris, who gives yet another version of events. In his story, he's at a pool hall with Jay when Adnan comes in and drags him away dramatically. This is where the boot pop happens, in the car park of the pool hall, apparently. We've got a whole new location for the boot pop now. Adnan threatens to tell the cops about Jay's drug selling. If he doesn't help him, he goes, all right, then I'll help you. And then that's when they go to Leakin Park. Chris said that Adnan said the murder had actually happened in the parking lot of the library. This is the library where Asia said that she saw Adnan. So in this episode, we also hear again from Kathy, whose house Adnan was at in that day's stupor that night. She tells us something that we kind of already know, that Jay lies, right? She goes, oh, no, he's like a compulsive liar. It's almost to the point where he can't control himself. He'll lie about everything, little stuff, big
1: stuff, whatever. You just know that he always lies. Yeah. I get that vibe. I get that vibe from him. Yeah, he's one of those guys. Yeah, the we'll story about everything. He's yeah. Ugh. Yeah. I don't like Jay. I've met Jay's before.
0: Yes, we've all known a Jay. Yeah. So yeah, thoughts about Chris's story about the library and the pool hall. I'm not really, really the- gonna
1: trust anyone that's friends with Jay.
0: No, that's true. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Look, Jay ends up going to trial for accessory after the fact, and he's given two years probation, which feels very light for the disposal of a body don't you think
1: very light so what has he done trying to get two years
0: exactly this is a big question mark isn't it
1: probably answers are in that three hours before the tape started recording
0: yeah and it wouldn't have just been that time either no I think at this stage of listening to serial I was really I guess I was on the fence about whether or not Adnan did it look I know that you know Jay fabricated this wild story but I kind of felt like maybe there could be some truth at the bones of it and it was just, like, getting out of hand. Like, it really all did just go down, you know, in the fact that Adnan killed Hay and Jay helped dispose of the body, but Jay was just steered by the cop to make evidence for it. I just can't fathom why Jay would make all of this up if he wasn't involved some way, right? Don't you think? Mm. Yeah. So then you've got to ask yourself, did Jay kill Hay? Mm. And I think you know, I don't know. What do you feel about that? Do you think that would be a possibility?
1: Yeah, I kind—I'm of, leaning towards that. I sort of yeah, am leaning towards that pretty much from the start once Jay was introduced.
0: I think once you inject it's, yourself into something like that, you've got to ask. Too,
1: yeah, and there's just too many versions of events, and mm. but then why? I, think, I don't know. I just kind of feel I'm going with my theory of he tried something and it didn't go his way. But within and then you've also got someone who has actually described him as a very, like, alpha male. Mm. So if he is, in fact, the alpha male and he's been rejected, yep. who knows how he would act? Yeah. That's um, I think if it is the case and he is involved, he got incredibly lucky with some really shitty police work. Mm-hmm. And has gotten away with it because he does not strike me as the type that is actually smart enough to get away with murder. Yeah, he's no criminal
0: mastermind, that's for sure. No. But then there's, mo- yeah, like you said, there's motive. I mean, maybe she should do something or it seems as though they never really knew each other like that well. I mean, they knew each other in the sense that they knew people that were the same. But, I mean, the whole thing hurts my head, to be honest. It's just really, really, really weird.
1: He strikes me as the type, though, that would be like, oh, my gosh, she said hello to me. That must mean she likes me.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know.
1: Like. Yeah. Like those guys that think that because the stripper pays attention to them that the stripper likes them. Yeah. She's just doing her job.
0: Some sad case, yeah. Mm. So episode nine, and I promise we're nearly there, here we hear from Summer. Now, Summer was friends with Hay. She was interested in also being a team manager for the wrestling team, so Hay told her to come along to the match that afternoon. Hay told her that she wasn't going to take the bus in the end, so she would need to meet her there because she had to go pick up her cousin. This conversation lasted at least 10 minutes, um, and she remembers it was that day because Hay was supposed to show her how to score at the game, and she was pissed when she never showed up. Now, the conversation lasted until anywhere between 2.30 to 2.45. So there's just no way that the 2.36 call was a come get me call. I think we can really just exclude that at this stage. Another friend, Debbie, backs up the story and said that the she last saw Hay at around 3pm near the school gymnasium. So if it wasn't the 2.36 call, could it have been the next call on the log, which was 3.15? Problem is that this just doesn't fit Jay's account and timeline. We also hear in this episode from Aisha who says that she was the one on the phone to Adnan during the what am I going to do, what am I going to say call. So it was actually her that called him when he was at Kathy's house and was like, oh, the cops have called me. Um, hey, you didn't show up for work. Like, And that's when him stoned was like, ah, what am I going to do? What do you Say when they called me, I'm stoned. So after this we hear from Adnan in his own words um, how a few weeks after she disappeared and how that time sort of panned out before he was arrested. It sounds terrifying for him. Remember that he's only 17 at this time and they basically like storm into his house at 5:30 in the morning and grab him while he's sleeping like it's really really hectic. Yeah.
1: You can't you can't base uh what am I going to do what am I going to say phone call like you can't base anything on that. He's a 17-year-old boy hmm. and he his ex-girlfriend is missing. Yeah, like of course even an innocent person would still be thinking that way yep because they know like you don't have to be stupid to know that you're a prime suspect and you want to be sure that you're not you don't say the wrong thing yep exactly
0: you'd be panicking especially if you were you know stoned and you were like oh no you know how can I get my head together at this point if somebody calls me you know The one thing to notice about Adnan, as we hear from him, is that he's very calm. He's a calm guy. He never gets upset. He never gets angry. He's shocked, but he's calm. It's like he's just sort of waiting for this bad dream to end. And, you know, then he wakes up and he's and he's in his bed at home, not in a jail cell. Now, what are your thoughts so far as far as everything that has happened?
1: I just don't think that he did it.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think at this point I was still on the fence, but I was just trying to wrap my, my head around the whole thing, I suppose. I think that having heard now these sightings of Hay later in the day are interesting. It kind of gives an even smaller window of time for mm-hmm. her to have gotten to pick up her cousin and stopped somewhere along the way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, if she was last seen at around 3 and needed to get to kindy by 3.15, I doubt she would have stopped anywhere, not voluntarily anyway. So what... Mm-hmm. What made her stop her car and get strangled, you know? Mm. So that makes me think could the account of the murder happening at the library be accurate because you had to go past the library to get out of the school grounds. So, you know, we knew that Adnan was there then. Could he have flagged her down and jumped in her car? We don't know. Episode 10 is next and in this episode we head to the courtroom and we address the elephant in the room and that is racism. Was Adnan's conviction racially motivated? We hear words like honour killings, betrayal, and, you know, it's really impossible just to keep the culture out of the trial altogether. We also finally discussed the other elephant in the room, and that was Adnan's terrible attorney, Christina Gutierrez. Her defence was essentially someone else did it, but she could never really provide a compelling enough case of who this somebody was. It seemed like proving that the evidence was flimsy was not really a tactic. Um, you know, neither was presenting any real evidence of his alibi. They just weren't things that she thought to do. She was also all over the place and appeared unprepared. Like she hadn't even looked at all of the evidence. Like I said, there was a mistrial to start with because, like, someone said, Oh, you know, this state's evidence, this, this exhibit. And she was like, What are you talking about? I don't know what that is. And they're like, Well, you've signed that you've seen it, so what the hell, you know. So the mm-hmm. whole thing is just a complete shit show. Mm-hmm. She really pinned her hopes on making Jay sound guilty, but the problem was that his story was just so bonkers and changed so much that it was just impossible to match any sort of evidence to it at all. Mm. She does manage to uncover some shadiness, though, and this shadiness is around Jay's plea deal. And she discovers yes, the yes, plea deal. Yes, the plea deal. Let's just address that for a moment, shall we? Yeah. She did one thing. She did this right. Now, she discovers that the prosecutor, Kevin Uric, provided Jay with a lawyer, a free lawyer, pro bono lawyer. That is dodgy. That is not something that usually happens. Mm. It looks like Jay is being paid for his testimony by the prosecution. Adnan's family claimed that Christina was obsessed with money as well and was constantly demanding large sums of money for her work she even threatened to take their house at one point if they didn't pay her what she wanted. Now, to talk to other people who used her as a lawyer around that same time it's the same story. But people say that she was really hard to pin down and never really seemed like she was working for that money. Hmm. Not long after Adnan's trial finished, Christina was hospitalised. As I said, she was disbarred first as well. She was extremely unwell with diabetes and MS, she was also being sued by a lot of ex-clients for taking their money and not providing services. Like, for example, she got from one person, she got $25,000 to hire an expert witness and never hired the expert witness. So she was dodgy, she was shady, she was unwell, and she just really didn't do her job properly. But she did uncover the dodginess by the prosecution, so there was that. She died in 2004, age 52. Fuck. Yeah, so thoughts on all of that?
1: Thoughts? Get a good lawyer.
0: I know. And she she came with a really good recommendation as well. Apparently she was like the good lawyer that you got if you could afford it, you know?
1: Well, I'd like to see the bad lawyers then.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, if nothing else, she sounds like she really messed up this case, right? Yeah. All right, we're nearly there. Episode 11. In this episode, we hear a little bit more about who Adnan is as a person from people who knew him. It's pretty much split. There are tales of him being an amazing guy who was friends with everyone and didn't have a mean bone in his body. Um, And then there are rumors of how he did some bad things or some people even said that he could have been a psychopath. There's nothing really to back that up, though. Sarah checks out these rumours about the bad things, but when she does actually go and push people on them, they just deny that it was ever said or, you know, it just seems like there's nothing behind them. Mm. The only thing that can be substantiated is the fact that Adnan was actually stealing money from the mosque collection. (laughs) He wasn't the only one doing it, though, Um, but it does sound like he managed to steal quite a bit of money from the mosque. Sarah asks him about it and he, he confirms that, yep, was doing that. Now, there's also discussion with psychologist Charles Ewing about psychopaths. Could he be a psychopath? You know, because I think that if he did this, he has to be one. Um, and he, he talks about how they can present as high functioning and not have any antisocial behaviour on the outside. Ewing has examined the case at length, though, and just doesn't see Adnan as a
1: psychopath.
0: He So thoughts on whether or not Adnan might be a psychopath?
1: I don't no, I just don't. I don't. I don't. Yeah yeah that's it I I don't don't have much to say like you're like what do you think I'm like I just I don't know it's just so stupid the whole thing is is really really stupid and yeah like I just don't understand how a lot of this stuff was allowed to happen and why there aren't more people questioning this Mm.
0: I certainly had more questions and answers by the end of this yeah yeah for sure Finally, we've come to the last episode. Now, in this episode, Sarah wants Adnan to give details. She wants it in his own words. Um, she wants details on what he was doing that day. Problem is he just can't remember. To him, it was just another day until it wasn't. And that was that was weeks later when her body was found. And I think it was about six weeks after she went missing that he was actually arrested. So yeah. to him, it's just another day. Like he had no reason to sort of remember. Oh, him. gosh,
1: I would hate to be... Like called for this sort of stuff.
0: Oh, I don't know what I did six weeks ago. Like, yeah. no. I've got like. What did I do yesterday.
1: Diaries.
0: I've got like three diaries. I've got like a work diary, a uni diary, and a personal diary. I have to like put them all together and triangulate my movements. Sometimes
1: I can't even remember what I did five minutes ago, let alone yeah. five weeks ago.
0: Yeah, and especially when you're going to school, like at high school, every day would feel the same. They would yeah. all blend into one. You know. Mm-hmm. But Sarah wants to be fixed on an opinion. She wants to decide at the end of this what she thinks happened, but it's just impossible with the information she's been given, right? Something interesting that she does do is she contacts Don, Hay's boyfriend at the time, and he gives his version of that time. He said that the night before Hay had been at his house and she had said that she wanted to spend all of the next day with him. She wanted him to call the high school and pretend to like be a dad or something and give her a day off. He says no, though, he doesn't want her to miss school. And, you know, besides, he had to be at work the next day anyway. Originally, it was his day off from the store. They both worked at the Owings Mills Mall um, at the Lenscrafters. But another store of Lenscrafters, the one at Hunt Valley, needed a fill-in. So he was going to go fill-in that day. He said that when he left her that night, they made plans to meet up after her shift at 10 o'clock that night. Now, when police searched her car, they found a note inside from Hey to Don. It said, Hey, cutie, sorry I couldn't stay. I have to go to a wrestling match at Randallston High, but I promise to page you as soon as I get home, okay? Till then, take care and drive safely. Always, hey. There was also a PS mentioning how she had done a TV interview at school that day, so we know it was from the day that she went missing because apparently that's what happened that day. So this gives me, and it gave Sarah, pause as well. It said, sorry, I couldn't stay. Stay where? When? When did she see him to say, sorry, I couldn't stay? Mm. Was she planning on leaving it in his car that afternoon? If so, she must have planned to have seen him before and, you know, it would have been briefly, but maybe, and before the wrestling match as well. Also supposedly she knew his car would be at Hunt Valley that day which was like nearly 20 kilometers away so would she have even had time in her schedule to drive all the way out there see him leave a note and then get back in time to go get her cousin? It just doesn't make sense and it just really doesn't fit with the rest of the day as well. So Sarah asked Don about the note but he has no idea what it means either. She asked him why he didn't try and call Hay after she went missing just like She asked Adnan because, remember, that was the thing about Adnan. If you knew she was missing, why didn't you try and call her? Well, neither did Don. He says that he figured she'd gone to California to visit her dad. (laughs) Right. So is Don looking shady
1: to you? Yeah, Don's done it now. (laughs) Changed my mind.
0: (laughs) Well, we have Don's time card from the day that shows that he worked from 9 till 6. So I guess the police found this a solid alibi. We do learn, though, that the manager at that Hunt Valley store was Don's mum, though. Don tells Sarah he only met Edna once and things were fine. He said that he really loved Hay, even though they'd only been together like two to four weeks, and he still loved her to this day. So next we hear from Josh, who worked with Jay at the time, and his story is possibly one of the weirdest out of all of this. The police, He said that the police picked Jay up from work on February 27th and dropped him back. He called Josh after and said he was really scared of being there alone and wanted him to come in and work with him. He seemed really paranoid about something that was going on outside because he thought there was a van across the street with people waiting to kidnap him. He figured it was the cops, but Jay said that no, he's worried about Adnan and his community coming and taking him away. It turns out Jay called the cops himself to come and get him that night and was really anxious until they got there. Josh said that Jay told him weeks earlier that he was involved with a missing girl case on the news and that he helped bury the body. Josh's story matches Chris's, the guy who said that it all played out in the library car park. So finally, we have Sarah trying to wrap her head around the entire thing. The consensus is that this case is a mess. Yep. uh, Yep. And that's just not just Sarah's opinion. That's the opinion of every expert that she has consulted for this series as well. Uh, the holes are just too big. Like, in essence, for a nun to be innocent, he is so unlucky. You know, let's just think about it. If, if he is innocent, he loans his car and phone to a guy who ends up pointing the finger at him. He asks, hey, for a ride. that is heard, And that's something that's heard by two people. Phone dials, dials Nisha, a girl only he knows, at a time when he says he doesn't have the phone. Like, he's just bloody unlucky if that's oh. the case. So then we get an update from the Innocence Project. The DNA under Hay's fingernails and hairs from her body that was supposedly never tested still exist. They've found them. And they're going to try and get them tested. I mean, I don't know how you feel, but why wouldn't the police test it? Why does the Innocence Project have to Like, if it's, why wouldn't they have tested it at the time of Adnan's trial? Like, if it's him, then it's a slam dunk, right? Why not test it? Yeah. That's shady to me. So did they test it and not like the results that they got? So while Sarah talks to Deirdre, we learn that we may have some information about a man, another man to think about, Ronald Lee Moore, who was a known rapist and killer in that area. His DNA had been found on another Korean girl's body who had been found dead 11 months after Hay. So you see, testing that DNA becomes even more important at this point, right? Mm. So was Hay the victim of a serial killer? Have we just got all of these actors in this situation have nothing to do with it and it was just a serial killer? (laughs) You know, what are your thoughts?
1: Potentially, yeah, because we're talking about young boys that are scared and potentially easily manipulated. It's not the first time. What was that um, Netflix series that came out about that murder? It was huge. Everyone was watching it. I didn't. It was, like, in Texas or something. And that young boy got charged for the murder, but, it like, they looked into it and he was, like, mentally a bit slow and they basically the outcome was, like, no. Oh, bas-
0: um, Making a Murderer?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, What was the gist of that? Because I didn't watch it, but I just heard bits and pieces where the, oh. the the guy that was accused and charged was not in the right mental state to be able to confess to a crime. But when he was broken down over hours and hours and hours by the police, and this is a known tactic, police do this. Yep. Um, and they do it with particularly with young young males. Um, yeah. and eventually he goes, yeah, it was me. I did it. Yep. Yeah. That
0: was a, uh, a case study in false confessions that show.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's another very famous one, um, that I think there's been a movie about that happened maybe in central park.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. I know the one you're talking for,
1: about. Yeah. The four young African-American yep. boys. Yep. Um, that were young like young
0: really young yeah
1: yeah yep. if you've got these big intimidating men in power telling you and threatening you yep. and god knows what else happens behind closed doors yeah. that you committed this crime wouldn't be the first time that something like this has happened
0: yeah for sure what are your thoughts on it now and just like if he's innocent just having the mo- the worst luck possible that day
1: Well, I had just earlier said that Jay has the best luck ever. So, yeah. Yeah,
0: Yeah, so that's it. Sarah doesn't make a declaration of Adnan's guilt either way, but she does say that she feels that there's just there wasn't enough evidence to convict him at the time, which is true.
1: There's not enough evidence to convict him. I don't think there's enough evidence to say he didn't do it. But there's huge question mark next to next to Jay. And then now we've got this new person brought into it who mm. has raped and murdered a Korean girl.
0: Yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah, that's it. So that's that is it. That is the that is serial. That is where it leaves its story.
1: And, and we- also Don.
0: Don. Oh, yeah, and Don. Yeah. Don, I think. Weird put letter. a in. Letter. Mm, put a pin in, Don, I reckon. Yeah.
1: Nothing yeah. jumped out at me other than that letter.
0: Yeah, it's a bit weird. It's a bit weird. The whole The whole way that the investigation was approached was very weird because they did seem to get a lot of tunnel vision on Adnan and not look at anything else. Mm. Um, they only really
1: choose again another classic here we go yeah prime suspect you're it let's make you it yeah yep
0: I think that, that might it's like
1: be- it's like they go like I don't get that mindset like is it because they just want to solve it is it because they're lazy is it because they genuinely believe it are they just really that incompetent I don't <sighs> That You know
0: what they say when things are this crazy it's and it's police, it's usually either incompetence or corruption. And you've just got yeah. to decide which one it is. Yeah. Yeah, I think at the end of Serial I was a little bit on the fence. Like I just couldn't see how a 17-year-old boy could just snap and kill his ex and then dispose of their body. It just seems like a lot. Um, and just, you know, telling Jay would be weird. I don't know why you'd bring another person into it. They weren't friends and... You know, I feel like this whole criminal element, Yeah. you know,
1: Jay perceived in himself. Well, it was, let's say, was a, a loser. <laughs> Telling you, like you said, we've all met a Jay. Jay is a freaking loser that talks the talk, but the reality comes down to it. He couldn't hack it.
0: Yeah. And the crazy story that just changes over and over. Like, what's that about? Like. Mm. I guess I can see that potentially the murder in the library car park is possible. I think that's the only way it works with the actual timeline is that. Yeah,
1: so that's where that's about the only thing that makes me go, okay, maybe he did do it.
0: Because I just don't believe the whole Best Buy nonsense. That just doesn't make any sense at all. Um, But then for them to keep it together well enough to like cruise around, visit friends, go on road trips, go to the track, go to mosque, you know, and then followed by burying a body. Like it just seems really crazy that they sort of kept it all together in that way. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, if that's not what happened, we need to ask why Jay injected himself into this narrative. Like, why not just keep quiet? Why not just say you don't know anything about it? You know, mm. I think the sense that I get is that there's just information missing. <laughs>
1: like, you yeah. know, if
0: we had this, this extra information, we'd like be able to tie it all together a little bit better. What is Jay's motive if Adnan didn't do it? Why would he want to put him in the shit? And if he did do it, why not just tell that story? Why have to change your story so much? Also, I can't really get past Mr. S and why he found that body. I think that there's there's more there to be discovered, I think. Yeah. I just don't buy him happening across a body at all. No. So, yeah, at this stage in the game, the jury was out for me as far as the end of Serial, which, um, you know, was a little bit disappointing because you kind of want a little bit of an outcome when you hear these long form podcasts. But, yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. If you had to make a call about what happened to Hay, what would it be?
1: I think the um I don't even know I think it's more likely that it's someone that doesn't even know her some rando yeah the guy at the end yep and that unfortunately the police have just got their tunnel vision and they've pinpointed these two young males Mm.
0: yep well good news for us is that the story does continue and a whole lot more does come out which is what we're going to talk about in our next episode so you can take a little break everyone go go to the toilet have a little drink have a little snack and we'll come back and we'll keep on talking about it in a moment see you in a minute bye
1: bye